You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hi, you are listening to the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. This is episode number 85, and in today's episode, you're going to learn about Worcestershire sauce. Now, you probably haven't put much thought into the contents of this sauce, but after you listen to today's main article, you're going to wonder why, as the contents of it are actually pretty shocking. So that's going to be the main article today, then you're going to hear a brief word from our fantastic sponsor Naturebox, and after that there's going to be a bonus why article, and today that is about why red meat turns brown when it's cooked, and finally we're going to follow that up with some bonus facts about Worcestershire sauce. So let's just get right into today's show. Worcestershire sauce, something also known as Worcester sauce, is a savory sauce that is often added to meat and fish dishes, or if you like your alcoholic beverages, the Bloody Mary cocktail. It may, or may not, depending on how much you research your sauce choices, surprise you to learn that it's literally made from fermented fish and spices. Yes, when you order a Bloody Mary, you're pretty much asking the guy behind the bar to pour aged fish juice into your vodka. It probably won't surprise you to learn that Worcestershire sauce is English, because of course rotted fish sauce is English. Rotted fish sauce is probably the most English phrase ever spoken on this podcast. The sauce is made from anchovies fermented in vinegar. If that sounds disgusting, we're just getting started. After around 18 months, yes months, the anchovies should hopefully be fermented enough to be little more than a fishy puree. When they have the puree, they then throw in the garlic, onions, chili peppers, salt, sugar, and a big pile of natural flavorings. After they have this mixture, they either add water and bottle it, or ship off the concentrated fish paste mixture in big barrels so other people can add water to it. If you're wondering what those natural flavorings are, even though the main ingredient is literally year-old rancid fish, Leon Perrins and later Heinz after they bought LMP have never revealed the exact mixture they use. This, of course, is probably more to do with the fact that someone else could steal their recipe and make their own sauce than people thinking the mixture was disgusting. Uh. However, according to rumors and rumblings that have happened over the years, lemons, soy sauce, pickles, and something known as devil's dung are all supposedly used, because dung could only improve the flavor of vinegar and congealed fish remains. As for why the mixture is called Worcestershire sauce, that's a decidedly simpler issue. It's because the sauce, most likely an adapted recipe from India, was originally made in the English city of Worcester around 1840. The city of Worcester just so happens to be smack bang in the middle of Worcestershire. Back when Worcestershire sauce was first created in roughly 1837, the exact date isn't known, by chemists John Wheelie Lee and William Perrins, it was marketed as something quite exotic. The sauce was supposedly created from a recipe handed down by a member of the English nobility known only as Lord Marcus Sandys, who apparently learned the recipe while serving as the governor of Bengal. It probably comes as no surprise that no one by that name ever served as the governor of Bengal. On top of this somewhat fantastical claim, Leon Perrins claimed that their sauce also served as an aid to digestion, as rancid fish is wont to do, and that it was effectively a great medicine. As you've probably guessed already, this is all hogwash, which, to be fair, from the sounds of things we're guessing was probably one of the original ingredients when they were experimenting with versions of the recipe for the sauce. Another fishy claim made by the pair was that they first made the sauce at the bequest of someone rich and powerful, because hey, why not? 
Unfortunately, they claimed the first batch was awful. It was apparently much too strong, so much so that instead of throwing it away like a normal person, they left the barrel with the sauce in their basement. When they came back to it many months or a couple of years later, depending on the version of their story you read, and saw the mixture of fish paste they'd forgotten to throw away, they decided to stick their finger right into it to see if it tasted any better than it had originally. For some reason, rather than dying of stomach cramps on the spot, they were fine and the mixture actually tasted awesome, and thus the sauce we know and love was born. This is probably the one aspect of the intricate original tale weaved by the pair that I'm almost, but not quite, inclined to believe, since, well, that's exactly how the sauce is made today, and why else would you randomly store awful-tasting fish juices for so long? Regardless of the true origins of the sauce, Mr. Lee and Mr. Perrins quickly displayed their business acumen by paying to have ocean liners out of Britain take barrels of the sauce on board in the late 1830s. When passengers tried the sauce and realized that it tasted amazing, they'd buy a bottle and take it with them. The ingenious part being that thousands of bottles of their sauce were now in cupboards across the globe, just waiting for people to try it and be hooked. The plan worked perfectly, and by 1866, the pair were able to sell their chemist shop to instead sell aged fish sauce full-time, due to the worldwide demand for it. Truly, they were living the dream. A fishy-smelling dream, but the dream nonetheless. So, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by NatureBox, a subscription service for nutritious snacks with new snacks introduced every month, made from wholesome ingredients. Unlike most of the snacky foods you're probably used to eating, NatureBox snacks contain no high-fructose corn syrup, no partially hydrogenated oils, no trans fats, and no artificial sweeteners, flavors, or colors. So if you've not heard of NatureBox before and you don't know how it works, basically it's a subscription service, and if you are a listener to this podcast, you can get 50% off your first box if you go to naturebox.com forward slash knowledge. And then each month you'll receive five different nutritionist-approved full-size snack bags containing things like blueberry almond bites, Bombay curried cashews, dark cocoa almonds, lemon pucker pistachios, or Italian bistro pretzels, among over a hundred or so other varieties. For the first month, you'll get a variety of different snacks sent to you, and from there you can choose which snacks you want to get each month, or just continue to discover new favorites. So once again, as a listener of this podcast, you can get 50% off your first month's box. All you have to do is go to naturebox.com forward slash knowledge and sign up there. Happy snacking. Why red meat turns brown when cooked? This is thanks to a protein called myoglobin, which is also what makes raw red meat look red, not blood, as many people think. Myoglobin is a protein that stores oxygen in muscle cells, very similar to its cousin, hemoglobin, that stores oxygen in red blood cells. This oxygen store is necessary for muscles which need immediate oxygen for energy during continual usage. So how does the myoglobin end up making the meat turn brown when cooked? This darkening effect is due to the oxidation state of the iron atoms in myoglobin. When the myoglobin is exposed to oxygen before you cook the meat, the iron atom oxidation level is plus 2 and it is bound to a dioxygen molecule, O2, which makes the meat appear bright red. As you cook the meat, this iron atom loses an electron and goes to a plus 3 oxidation level. This is the process that turns the meat brown. White meat, on the other hand, doesn't turn dark brown like red meat because it has significantly less myoglobin in it. In fact, the myoglobin levels are actually one of the main factors that officially distinguish white meat from red meat. And now for today's bonus facts. Contrary to popular belief, searing meat does not in any way seal the juices in. 
Water in seared meat evaporates at either the same rate or a higher rate in some cases than non-seared meat. What searing does do is play a role in browning, which can affect the flavor, but in this case, the browning is caused by caramelization of sugars combined with a chemical reaction with amino acids and the sugars. Bonus Fact 2 Worcestershire sauce is likened to a much earlier Roman sauce known simply as garum, made from the fermented intestines of small fish. Other anchovy-based fermented fish sauces were around in Europe as far back as the 17th century. Bonus Fact 2 as decided in a High Court case on July 26, 1876, Lee and Perrins do not own the rights to the term Worcestershire sauce. As such, there have been many other sauces bearing that name since their creation. This is why Lee and Perrins markets itself as the original Worcestershire sauce. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.